The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. I've got a treat for you today. I interviewed my wife recently about her testimony and the story was so good, I wanna share it with you. On today's show, my wife is going to share with you her testimony about how God helped her with her eating disorder, with her relationship with God, with her relationship with her family, and with her understanding of herself. This will be an encouraging testimony for you. God has a story in each of our lives, and it's worth telling and listening to on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. back to the show. This is the Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm Dr. Doug Bursch, and I wanted to share with you a special interview I did with my wife recently uh, where she shares her testimony uh, about dealing with an eating disorder, dealing with struggles with her parents and with her faith and her relationship with God. And I just thought you'd want to hear it. So I want to get right into this. This was recorded earlier, an interview, a video we did, and I just want to play it for you. If you want to text me, here's the number, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513. And you can always go to the website for more information, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. But without further ado, I'm going to just play this interview for you with a little bit of editing, and uh, I just hope you enjoy because it certainly encouraged my heart. Here we go. So I have my uh, trusted companion next to me. and uh, Trusted? Yeah. That works. Aww, that's it? Nice. So where did your testimony begin? Is that birth or do you oh, want to fast my, forward a little bit? Yeah, here? fast forward. Well, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I was raised going to church um, probably from the time that I was oh, second or third grade. I went to church pretty regularly. Um, and I, my parents and I, we are amazing friends now. And there's been so much healing and there's been so much connection and attachment to them. And they went through um, a lot of counseling, as did I. And um, so w- with everything that I even say, sometimes I, I don't want to say too much about my family growing up because it's almost like there was a chapter one and a chapter two <laughs> kind of thing, kind of like a, a, a new book, maybe even not mm-hmm. just chapters. Um, so I was raised in a, in a Christian house, but in the same respects, I was raised in a house that was very, very, um, performance based. Um, and it was kind of like we went to church on Sundays, but then I didn't really, we didn't talk about God a whole lot the rest of the week. And I didn't really see faith translate into everyday life Um, and performance-based as in rules and regulations. So that if I wasn't performing well, or if I was um, doing things that, you know, that I shouldn't have been doing, which I can tell you about that as part of my testimony, um, there was a lot of grounding and a lot of rules that Mm. were needing to be enforced. So such as if I didn't go to church, I was grounded. (laughs) Um, So those kinds of church for me and God for me took on a very negative um, connotation. And I became very, the way I focused kind of my performance based and perfectionism was more on my physical body. Um, And I developed an eating disorder starting in like early middle school, where I tried to be anorexic, wound up 
bulimic, bulimic doing like a binge purge sort of cycle that continued into high school. And my junior year, I finally, I wound up in a treatment facility. It was an inpatient um, hospital program where I lived for six weeks, but then I also followed up with about a year and a half of intense counseling and therapy and support programs. And, and that was part of the counseling that my parents went through as well. Um, and my testimony, my faith testimony comes out of that because I, I've, I felt very hostile towards my parents. I felt very hostile towards church and I felt very hostile towards God and mm. thinking that, I mean, to the point where I wouldn't have thought that God would want to have anything to do with me because if I wasn't at a certain level of performance or perfection, or I, I kept a lot of things hidden because I was, you know, as I was doing things that I was kind of saying, oh, I don't care as far as like drinking and dating and and in my eating disorder, hiding those things and becoming very ashamed. Um, at the same time, I thought, well, what would God even want to have to do with me? Mm what would be the purpose and point of what, what would God want to eating disorder treatment? How old were you? I turned 17 in the okay. hospital program. So before that, when mm -hmm. things were at their worst, but mm -hmm. let's say before, you know, anything happened, how would you describe yourself like to someone if you were as an adult and describing Jen at that age, mm. what, what was she like? I would say that I very much um, was a follower. I allowed others to kind of tell me what my value was. Um, I tried to maintain, you know, the grades that I needed to maintain to keep my parents happy. Um, but I really didn't value a whole lot that was going to have like extended meaning mm -hmm. in my life. And so I gained all of my meaning from my, my peers and I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. I wasn't comfortable with myself, not myself physically, and also not myself on the inside, which was where a lot of my drinking came in because I found that to be an escape, pretty much binge drinking whenever, whenever yeah. I drank, whenever I had the opportunity, yeah. it was drinking with friends. And then I could pretend I was somebody else or I could become somebody else. Then I felt like I was funnier or more outgoing or then I could excuse behaviors yeah. as well and not take responsibility for behaviors. How would you define then your relationship with your parents then at that time? Mostly just like a lot of lying and sneaking. I mean, I was constantly pushing boundaries that they were trying to set up for me and I would, yeah, just try to find my way around, but trying to keep within the boundaries enough that I didn't get grounded so mm. that I couldn't go out drinking the next weekend. <laughs> Did you know you were angry or I now? I was angry. Say, yeah. 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 I mean, I remember doing things like flipping my mom off behind her back and swearing a lot about my parents and yeah. 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 And, and a lot of that, my animosity was definitely focused on them because I saw that, it, that they were the barrier to getting to go do with the things that I wanted mm -hmm. to do and to be even who I wanted to be, even though I didn't know who I was, I didn't even know who I wanted to be. Well, then how did you define God in that? Did you think about God during those times? I assumed that God was angry during those times. I mean, I, I thought that God had to do with rules and regulations, and obviously I'm not following the rules and regulations. And so I was kind of just always waiting to get caught, not only by my parents, but also like I really pictured God as being, you know, sitting up in the heavens, just waiting to like strike me with that lightning bolt. So you mentioned there came a point where you uh, were in an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. I know that you were kind of 
your your parents did I got dropped off okay. yeah I got dropped off with a suitcase so I <laughs> basically I kind of fessed up to my eating disorder in a note that I'd sent to one of my friends or something or I'd written and my parents found this note and confronted me with it so that you know is this what you're doing and no 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 and they took me to a counselor you know to kind of have me evaluated and I lied to the counselor I mean when they talked about like how often are you binging and purging and drinking and I mean there's, you don't have to be honest with a counselor unless you want to actually get help and get better. So, um, so they didn't think I was really qualified for any kind of program and I didn't really need it because I hadn't lost or gained too much weight. And I wasn't obviously drinking to pass out, which I lied about. Um, so I didn't do any treat. I, I think I did some outpatient therapy at that point, just some counseling. Um, but then I remember in January of my junior year, <clears throat> I'd gone to a get together and, I drank heavily, as did my friend, who was the one who'd driven us um, to, you know, the, the gathering. And on the way home, we had this idea. We knew we were drunk, and we both knew drunk driving was like a bad thing. I mean, there were certain things that I was like, "Oh, I don't do that," you know. So it's not that bad. Um, so we decided, if both of us were driving, then then that would make up for the fact that we were inebriated. So she did the steering wheel or no, I did the steering wheel. Cause I was in the passenger seat and she did the gas and the brakes mm -hmm. and that's how we got home. And that scared me. I mean, I realized there was something in me that was like that, you know, if we'd have hit and killed somebody or if we'd have gone off the road or like that, that was really bad. And that scared me. And so I reached out to a friend, um, that next day who took me in to see the school counselor. Um, who happened to be an amazing person that said, no, this is, you know, gone far enough and you need help now versus waiting until things are worse. Um, so at that point, and I think the combination of that and my parents finding the note or something, I don't know how exactly it happened, but they took me to a program where they said, we're just going to go check this out. And we went and they sat me down and they said, you have to stay here at the seating disorder program, are you willing? And I was like, wait, do I have to stay or am I willing to stay? And they said, yes, you have to stay. It's a locked unit, but are you willing? And I was like, wait, nah, that doesn't make sense to me. Here's your suitcase. Are you willing to stay? Like, this is going to make it a lot easier if you're willing to stay. And I said, yes, even though, I mean, I didn't want to, I was really mad at my parents for doing that. I was pretty angry, yeah. but I think relieved at the same time. I think part of me was relieved. And the cool thing that came out of that and where my testimony, as far as like my faith walk. Yeah. this is what I want to like, where's the yeah. change for you? And so, you're still not in a place with God. It's more yeah, about this behavior absolutely. is not going well. And your parents know this behavior needs to be dealt right. with. What, where did God come in? Um, so, I mean, the, the program that I went to definitely had kind of a 12 step, um, it, it wasn't necessarily faith-based, but it was 12 steps. So there was admitting that you have a problem and then admitting that there's a higher power that you need to surrender your addiction, your, your, your lifestyle, your life too. Um, and I was like, well, okay. You know, like I can, I didn't want to make that higher power God, like not the God that I grew up knowing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, I can think of a creation, a being, a, mm -hmm. I know there's something more out there. So I can kind of like picture surrendering myself to that. Um, but what was so of the Lord is that I, we had roommates in the program and I was roommates with a, a woman named Kelly, um, who was 
so alive, like you could see life in her eyes. And even though she had endured trauma growing up, she was so alive and she'd talk about God in such loving terms and talked about Jesus, like walking with Jesus and this all of a sudden hearing about God in terms of relationship. And here's part of where my, my eating disorder, I was constantly like trying to have relationships, trying to have boyfriends and friendships and always get trying to get that validation from relationships and other people telling me who I am and that who I am is acceptable and desirable and um, attractive or whatever. And all of a sudden she's talking about God and Jesus in terms of relationship, not about rules and regulations and even attending church on Sundays. So she talked about church, like she was excited about church too. I mean, she loved church and, and she had her Bible like on her bedstand. And that was one of the first times I'd seen like, okay, that that's, I mean, I knew my mom had done Bible studies. I'd see her Bible around, but to talk, to hear somebody talk about just like that relationship with Jesus, with God, and that God wasn't just waiting to like strike me dead with some lightning bolt. And she was so, Kelly is so loving and so accepting. And just like I said, full of life. Mm. And I just remember when my time that week came to be able to call my mom, um, you know, to give that, it was a little bit like jail, I think, to be able to make that phone call home. Um, And I asked for, you know, a few different clothing items um, for my mom and dad to bring when they came to, to the visiting time. Um, but also if they could bring my Bible, I mean, it was just like, I want my Bible, like Kelly's got her Bible there and she's obviously getting something out of it that I'd never had before. So mm. I want my Bible. Mm. And that was, yeah, mm. time that I surrendered then my life. So to the Lord that. from that is that was your surrender. Was mm-hmm. it then, can you think of it as a moment or just from that point on God just started speaking to you like yeah no god started speaking to me then because just being able to see and having talks with kelly and her just talking to me about the relational aspect and that god wasn't like angry at me and that he wanted the best for me but not in in a way that even like an earthly best i mean because i understood that even at that point about you know like my parents wanting the best for me they wanted me to be able to go to college they wanted me to be respected you know, by my teachers, they wanted me to, you know, not break the law, (laughs) like those things that, you know, obviously makes sense. But um, yeah, but the the relationship and that the performance, it wasn't about just jumping through hoops. um, And it wasn't about following because I still kind of saw the Bible that way as like a, a book of rules and regulations. And in fact, I remember thinking like, why do Christians have such a problem you know, not just doing okay. Like, why don't they just follow the rule book? Why don't they just read the Bible and do what it says? I mean, but then obviously it's a little more complicated and deep than that. And we're still very much human, no matter how surrendered, you know, we are to the Lord. Um, But yeah, the relationship aspect of it. So then, you know, it's one thing when you're in uh, eating disorder or prison, I mean, Mm -hmm. you're in, but you know, and then there's controlled environment Mm -hmm. and there's this so is a part of your testimony then coming out of that yeah, place and absolutely. then now I'm walking through this where all mm-hmm. of those things are now it's just you without a roommate yeah. who's strong in the Lord. Well, and my parents did a really beautiful thing um, and something that we kind of came to together, but I saw them really do some amazing, amazing things that now that I'm a parent, I can see how difficult that must have been for them as they surrendered control. They were going through counseling and healing at the same time. This was actually a really great program that, I mean, I had counseling every day, but my parents also came twice a week 
and had individual counseling, marriage type counseling, group counseling, and then counseling with me. I mean, this was all done in a group setting, which is pretty humiliating and pretty, you have to be pretty vulnerable and um, pretty honest. But yeah, my parents surrendered control. They said, okay, you know what? We want, we still want the best for you. We still would love it if you got these grades. We'd still love it if you came home, you know, the time that you said that you were going to be home, but can you set, like, they asked me to take responsibility for my life. Um, They asked me to do it for myself, which for me, even early on in my faith was then going to be doing it for God, not just for the betterment of myself. So they really surrendered a lot of control. And so I think then I got to form a relationship with them that was outside of rules and regulations and boundaries, just as much as kind of like my relationship with God changed. And I didn't just see him as a set of rules and regulations. I got to see my parents as people and have a relationship with them and have give and take and have them treat me um, like an adult and a growing, you know, young woman to set boundaries for myself. And I, I failed at some of them and they kind of had to sit back and watch those things. They had to sometimes wonder where I was at night, or they had to wonder, you know, was I doing what I said I was going to do? And then having to, you know, to learn to, to interact on a relational Mm -hmm. basis. How did your, your new faith and express itself outside of the when you came out in counseling part, but Mm -hmm. how did you integrate it into a church or into a Christian community or anything like that? Honestly, getting out was one of the loneliest times in my life, which was really good. (laughs) It was painful and it was lonely. Um, I didn't feel like I could hang out with the friends that I'd had before. I kind of tried, I tried to be I mean, my memory of it and theirs might be different. I don't know. Uh, But my memory was trying to be the designated driver, you know, while my friends drank and still got to kind of continue and, you know, the type of fun that we kind of had together before. And I realized it wasn't very fun when, you know, you're the only sober person. (laughs) It really wasn't fun. And then I was just trying to set some boundaries for myself and in my eating and in my activities and, you know, getting into like a, a church like a, a youth group and, and hanging out. I, I remember my, one of our pastors was willing to do like a small group mentoring. So I wasn't big ever on like Sunday school and, and big youth group activities and stuff, but I like to study the word. And one of my pastors, you know, was willing to do some small group activities where just a couple of us could meet and really, you know, get into the word and talk about what was important. You to went us. to my parents' Sunday school class. I, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, my mom, even growing up, my mom was pretty good about that. I didn't have to go to the kids' Sunday school class. I could go sit in the adult class. <laughs> I feel like I was shown so much grace by God and I'm really thankful. I mean, I wouldn't recommend going and losing track of who you are as a person or doing dangerous behaviors that require treatment in order to come around to the Lord. But um, for me, I received so much grace and healing that it, it doesn't scare me to meet messy people. And I kind of assume um, through that and also through pastoring, and I'm not saying because our congregation's messy, but meeting other pastors, even like we're all messy, messed up people. And to be gracious with one another. I mean, I've, I learned grace for myself. And I think very early on, God showed me that. I mean, I think there were some times where I was like, well, I got my life together. You know, why can't those people? Um, but to be gracious and to be, 
you know, really forgiving and yeah. to be accepting. I think acceptance is a huge thing and to be loving and to be kind. I really love the story um, of Samuel. That's just always like. That'd be a great name for a kid. <laughs> Samuel, we should I name one of our kids Samuel. I wanted a kid named Sam. <laughs> Good thing I had that surprise last baby. I got my Samuel. But I mean, we all know the story of Samuel, and I love that God called out to him before he even recognized that it was the voice of God. And how how amazing is that? Mm. And I know that for sure in my life. I mean, I had mm. enough um, times where I think God was reaching out to me and that I wasn't willing. That's the definition of testimony, isn't it? I wasn't willing it? to hear, right? It's God calling us before mm -hmm. we know it's his voice. That yeah. every testimony starts with God calling mm -hmm. our name. And probably the first 1,000 times yeah. is, what, who, who? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that surrender, I think coming to know that God cares enough to call out to me personally, and that he's got a purpose and a plan for my life. I mean, 1 Samuel 3.10. At first, it's funny, though, because it's 1 Samuel 3, 5, 6, and 8. God is calling out to Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, here am I. You called me. And, but, not but, he, to God. but not to God. Yeah. He's like, well, what's that voice thinking that it's in human form. But then finally in, you know, first Samuel verse three ten, the Lord came and stood there calling, calling out as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And that to me is even different than of like, here I am. I'm here. I'm here. But he says, speak, your servant is listening. I mean, mm. that's just there's few words in there, but first Lord speak, like, tell me, talk to me mm -hmm. for your servant. So he's coming with a, a serving heart before, I mean, this is a young, a young person. So he didn't even fully know what that meant. He couldn't have even comprehended Samuel couldn't have at the time, what that would mean to be God's servant. But he says, I'm your servant. And so we make our hearts available. We make our hearts open. Mm -hmm. And he said, your servant is listening. And so do I have listening ears? Am I willing to hear from God? Mm. And listening, I mean, is different than hearing. And I know we've talked about that even before. I mean, and I think in any relationship, you have times where you're hearing, yeah, 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 yeah. But are we really listening? Are we really getting at the heart and mm. really taking to heart what it is that someone or God is saying to us. And I think part of the, the cool thing about serving God is that <laughs> we're his children. And so we get to serve God as his children. So we get to serve him out of this amazing relational capacity. So it isn't a servant like a slave. It isn't a servant like a hired servant. It isn't because we owe God something, even though we so most certainly do. We're servant children. Where his children, he calls his dearly beloved. And it says that he lavishes, how great is the love of the father that he lavishes it, his love on us. Mm. How amazing is that, that we get to serve someone who lavishes his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his freedom on us. Mm. Um, God gave me the verse in Isaiah 58. And this is Isaiah 58 verse 11 specifically is, is the scripture that, that the Lord showed me. This is the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. 
and talk about like lavishing and flourishing and the the things that I couldn't even do for myself, God was promising to do for me and to do through me and to do in me. Um, and how, how amazing is that? That he wants to guide me always and satisfy my needs. I didn't even know what my needs were when I first came to the Lord. I, I even needed to be shown what my needs were and will strengthen your frame. Like this, like your, my entire being. And I was just reading back through this today. And it's kind of cool because I started back at to verse eight and it says, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. And I'd written above the word healing recovery will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of echoing back to that Samuel verse where, you know, Samuel saying, here am I. And I was directed to kind of say, here am I, Lord, your servant is listening. And here's God promising that when we call on him, he says, here am I. Mm-hmm. And that's if we're putting ourselves in that place, once again, of relationship with him where we're listening. Mm-hmm. He says, here am I. Well, you are like a well-watered garden. And I appreciate you sharing that testimony. Well, I'd love to thank you for listening to the recorded testimony of me interviewing my lovely wife, Jennifer Birch. If you'd like to text us, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Or go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name and loves you dearly. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.